Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You probably heard Eamon mention in the news um, the discussion around paid leave today and whether employers should be able to ask workers, to ask staff for proof um, to grant paid domestic uh, abuse leave to victims of domestic violence. And Nora Casey, who's a businesswoman and broadcaster, is is with us here in the line today. And Nora, I know that you've spoke publicly um, about your own personal experience before. What's your reaction to this suggestion from IBEC today? I think it's the most tone deaf statement I've seen in quite a while. And I don't believe that employers are worried about this. Um, I think most good employers would want to go out of their way to provide you know, good support in the workplace for people who are struggling with domestic abuse, both coercive abuse and violence. And to ask a woman to re-traumatise herself by providing um, evidence of the abuse is just the worst thing I've heard in some time. The, the sad reality is only about 20% of women come forward. We've just been through COVID where, you know, there's a vast increase in the number of women reporting domestic violence and abuse to the Gardaí. And everyone is, you know, talking about what more we can do to help women in those kind of situations. And here I come out saying, you know, not only do we not agree with that because there's loads of other things you could use, but we also want proof. And and they also very distastefully linked it to criminality. You know, the reality is, I think less than 20% of women report abuse because they're so worried about the fact that they can't prove it. The whole point is it happens behind closed doors. And not all abuse is violent. The abuse I struggled with was violent. So... You know, what is it? You have to show your black eyes and your mm. broken bones in order to provide proof. Because, you know, for the vast majority of women, it could be coercion. And, you know, how do you, how do you, how can you even possibly prove that? But more importantly, of course, employers have rights, but so do employees. You know, that's a significant breach of privacy issues. More for myself, the day I left my abusive husband, I had to go into work and I was working in a really busy um, high-pressured environment. I think I had my coat on backwards. I didn't know what I was thinking or what I was saying. I felt I'd just driven off the cliff. I couldn't approach my employer. I couldn't talk to anybody in the workplace what was happening to me. And I'm just so hopeful that times have changed now and that really people would want to go out of their way to support a woman in those circumstances. And there are good employers and countries, by the way, that have introduced this. Mm, We're talking five days. We're not talking about something huge, you know. The other thing I'd say, Andrea, I've never met a woman who's lied about this area. You know, it's not something you're going to use as an excuse for not going into the workplace. There are lots of other things you can use as an excuse if that's what you want to do. But the last thing you're going to do on a Monday morning is say, sorry, I can't come in because I've just been through a very difficult night with uh, my abuser. You know, you're more likely to use another excuse. And where's the openness in that? How are we ever going to move on, you know, in the workplace if we don't know the true extent of the impact of domestic abuse mm. on, on women in the workplace. Well, that, that's the, I have to say, that's the point that struck me, uh, Nora, when I, was, when I was reading this earlier this morning. Like, how are we ever going to end the issue and the, the, the problems and the scourge of domestic violence in this country? It needs to be seriously supported. And I think even the question of this, you know, is is just poses huge problems for people. And I imagine it must be so extraordinarily difficult for somebody who is dealing with this at home, even in the first instance, to go in and, and talk to their employer or ask their employer or even to seek to look, you know, to to 
if a veil is the right word, but you know when you when you talk about this bill and the the potential five days, it must be so hard, I imagine, for people to do it. Like I just can't understand how. I don't think nobody would go in and no, and, that, and that's false why millions pretend of this. Millions of women don't come forward and take their abuses to court precisely for that reason. But it's such a massive insult to women who are going through this difficult situation, sometimes trying to flee in the middle of the night with their children, trying to figure out a safe place for them to be, that on top of that, there's an implication that they might have lied, that, you know, they somehow have to prove that these things are happening to them in their lives, you know. I mean, that doesn't happen in any other form of leave, by the way. So, you know, I can't understand why they would ask for it in this particular case. It seems a very odd statement. And there are people on IBEC that I know do not agree with this policy. There are people on there who are employers themselves and who lead companies that have been at the forefront of providing great services for women who are struggling with, not just about, you know, the five days leave we're talking about here, which is minimal, but, you know, allowing the women to come into the HR department and talk and get extra support and care, maybe segregating some of their salary into a different bank account when they're struggling with financial abuse. So I, I think, I don't know where Ibeck is going with this. It's just a terrible statement for themselves as an organisation. It's also giving employers a very bad name. I spent all my time with employers and SME mm. owners. This is not what they're worried about. They're struggling with energy costs, cost of living issues. They've got huge wholesale recruitment difficulties. They would do anything to keep people working in the workplace. This kind of statement implies that employers are treating employees like disposable you know, assets in their businesses. Nothing could be further than the truth. Everybody knows now you have to look after the people who work for you if you want to keep them and if you want to attract new people. Yet this sends a big, loud statement to the world to say, you know, we're worried that employers might be disadvantaged by five days, five days of leave for a woman who's gone through domestic abuse. It's just extraordinary. Sarah Benson, Nora, the CEO of Women's Aid, is with us here too on the programme today. Um, Sarah, what was your reaction when you read this this morning? Well, um Good afternoon, good afternoon to your listeners. I would concur with everything that uh, Nora has already said there. In Women's Aid, uh, we were just deeply disappointed to see this statement out this morning. It's quite astonishing to us. And as Nora has said, Women's Aid has been working for many years now with a number of employers who have actually just gone ahead and implemented these policies. And we are working with them around kind of reviewing their policies, uh, training, uh, support. And the feedback we are getting from them is that this is a win-win for employers. The cost benefit is very clear. You are supporting uh, employees whose performance may be suffering, for example, directly as a result of abuse. It gives them a safe way to disclose. Uh, it creates a positive work, uh, workplace for them. It helps them maintain their, um, their income through flexible working arrangements. And then it gives that leave to allow them to do things which can be crucial, which are not covered under the kinds of leave that IBEC offers up as alternatives here. And uh, this could be to see a specialist domestic violence organisation, to go to court. Mm. And that's um, one of the big issues, isn't it? Sarah, you know, because it's it's often like any time we talk about the impact of 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 um, domestic violence on on people, it's it's even the day you know getting the time to meet somebody pre your court date, um, going to court, the the stress, the the whole upheaval of that. 
Absolutely. And crucially, if somebody is in a coercive controlling relationship, to be able to have that facilitated during what would be your working your work day, hours, yeah. actually yeah. giving cover because their, their uh, abuser may be monitoring them and they believe they're at work. So for some women, they would say, I literally can't go because he knows where I am 24-7. So that gives that cover. I just, the, the, I mean, mean-spirited is, is probably the best thing I can assert in relation to this. And I would also echo what... Uh, Nora has said is that this is not what we are hearing from employers. Um, in fact, um, all of the employers we are aware of have already implemented at least a 10-day, sometimes more, policy. The NUIG uh, has implemented a 10-day policy. Uh, New Zealand and Australia had 10 days and New Zealand has just increased it to 20 and that's after mm. it being successfully in place but- without the world ending and employers feeling uh, put upon. And the other point, Nora, that you mentioned too, is that this, the, the sad reality of this, Sarah, is that even though, even when this bill is introduced and the five days are there, you know, and available for people to, to avail of, like, Nora, as you mentioned, a lot of people still, they, they won't come forward and, and they won't even take the days. I, my own experience constantly of talking about my, my, my experience of domestic violence is at the end of every speech, somebody will approach me quietly and say, you know, this is happening to me. I would never have put myself forward. I wouldn't have phoned Women's Aid Helpline. And of course, like Sarah, I encourage women to phone all of the time. But our single biggest problem in this area is women not coming forward, not believing that other people will believe them. You know, having to re-traumatise themselves by going through everything that they're going through at the time. Should The government and, and state organisations have paid millions to try and raise awareness for people to understand if they know somebody that's in a domestic violence or a domestic abusive relationship. And yet here's our single biggest employer lobby group coming out and stating, yeah, we're not prepared to to agree to five days statutory sick pay um, and we insist that there should be proof. I mean, it goes against everything that's happening in the world at the moment. And by the way, I'd repeat it. I don't know who is speaking on behalf of IBEC, but there are people on the board of IBEC who represent organisations who've been trailblazers in this area. So I don't know who's making the policy or who's deciding that this is their view, but okay. I think they should okay. back down and apologise. And look, absolutely, Nora, just to pick up on the point you mentioned earlier, yes, businesses are going through a, a difficult time. And, and if there if there's issues around, you know, like looking at various different types of leave or whatever the bills are at the moment, Yes, they should be supported and, and government have a role to play there. But I definitely don't think um, that the domestic violence paid leave should be the, the target for that. It's the worst possible storm for this. Are you there, Nora? OK, um, l- let's just take a listen, though. Uh, we've got Nora Casey and Sarah Benson here with us on the programme. This is the CEO of ISME. Now, this is the Irish Small and uh, Medium Enterprise grouping. Uh, Neil MacDonald, he was chatting to Pat Kenny a little bit earlier about this issue. And this is what he had to say. We already have provisions in place to deal with things like that, such as force majeure leave. There are real dangers in going down a route For example, New Zealand doesn't have GDPR, so the sorts of circumstances in which an employer could even engage with an employee asking why they needed to take a domestic violence leave would be, you know, potentially very fractious. Are are, are you concerned that some employees would just say, I'm taking domestic violence leave and I want to be paid for it, but give no chapter and verse uh, and no evidence? Uh, Is that your concern that you'd like to be able to, like IBEC, they'd like to be able to ask? Well, that, that, that's the exact issue, Pat. And, you know, whether the employer would even want to ask or would be legally permitted to ask, these are, these are all the, 
you know, the unthought consequences of bringing in uh, something, an entitlement like this. So that is me, uh, CEO Neil MacDonald, a little earlier here today. And Mary Connachton, who's the director of uh, CIPD Ireland, is joining us here as well on the programme. They're the professional body for human resources. Mary, does Neil have a point? Like, does this leave already exist? Is he right about that? Um, Hi, Andrea. There are a number of leaves in place and I suppose the particular one that he referred to is force majeure and force majeure leave gives an employee up to three days off in any 12 months or five days in 36 months but it's to respond to a family member in an emergency so if there was an accident for example and uh, one of the employees had to go because of the urgency of the situation and be with a relative that would be force majeure leave. Now, the other legislation that's also being proposed is leave for medical purpose. Now, this would be an unpaid leave. And again, it would be leave of up to five days a year to care for a person who has had a serious medical condition. And again, it might be a child or a relative or a cohabitant. I think the domestic abuse leave is quite different with the proposal to be up to five days leave for victims of domestic abuse. We do find that sometimes employees in strange circumstances have to find a leave to take time off and sometimes it has come through a sick leave. So having clarity around the different types of leave Mm. and we know many employers want to be compassion in difficult circumstances. The the, the different leaves aren't necessarily a problem but we just have a lot of them and other changes coming in at the moment. So is the elephant in the room here, Mary, the fact that there's other um, alternatives or, you know, as you say, you you have fourth majeure leave, you have sick leave, you have compassionate leave, you have maternity leave, parental leave. Like, is it is is that what what some of the businesses are saying? Is that what they see as the issue is that there's now, which like a lot of people would think that's actually very progressive. Isn't it a great thing that Ireland now has, you know, a various different um, offering of support and help to, to staff? But is that really what the, the problem is? is we do have a, a, an issue with that, definitely, because it's very easy for employers to not understand all the different nuances and also for employees not to be able to ask for the right set of leave in the same circumstances. So a way in which these were all pulled together into some cohesive plan would be much more helpful because then, as you say, we have uh, you know a number of different types of parents and maternity and paternity leave. So it is a very confusing area and it's hard to actually map out the entitlement. Um, But at the same time, when you do something like put attention on domestic abuse leave, it draws attention to the issue and it gives people who may need support permission to come forward for that support. And for this leave, that's an important aspect. So, so the point that was made about um, looking, ha- wanting to have a legal right to ask for proof of domestic abuse. I mean, I would have just thought that there's no way legally you could ask for that, Mary. Well, the government haven't yet produced the legislation around it and the legislation will dictate whether or not it's permissible. So right now, none of us know. Um, but in terms of what we find domestic abuse policies are trying to achieve. It's trying to achieve a supportive environment to let somebody come forward when they are in difficult circumstances and certainly looking for 
proof wouldn't back that up. And at the end of the day, it's a maximum of five days leave. And we hope and we all need to work towards the fact that the level of need for this abuse goes down. Mm. So it's not something like sick leave, which might be a, a common incident. And I wonder, Sarah, is that what's happening? Like, are they being, con- like, are the two being, con- is, there, is there a sort of a conflict or are they being conflated? Is, is that what's happening, do you think? That there's this fear coming from some business groups? I don't know whether there's a level of confusion, but certainly um, there is a conflation of, of leaves which are not appropriate for domestic violence leave and, and uh, the, the pre speaker there, Mary, has already alluded to force majeure is not inappropriate. It's very heavily and clearly defined and very restricted. Compassionate leave is much more commonly for bereavements and IBEC have cited that one as well. And I think the paradox, however, is that the leaves that they are actually citing do not require proof. You do not require mm-hmm. a death certificate, you know, if, you're, if your you know, grandmother has died and you want to take um, compassionate leave. I think that the crucial thing, again, referring back to what Mary has said here, is that this is about a preventative and a supportive work environment. Um, it's, a, it's appropriate, not, it's, you know, we're not asking HR or, or uh, managers to be um, counsellors, but it is to create a clear uh, framework in, within which if somebody is subjected to domestic violence and very often may also be being subjected to economic leave, trying to force uh, somebody out of work and make them economically dependent is actually quite a common tactic. So this is just an extraordinary opportunity that uh, that IBEC seem utterly blind to, where employers can act as a bulwark against perpetrators of domestic violence to assist their staff in a manner that's appropriate to their roles in a way that's just pivotal mm. to help their uh, their staff who may be victims or survivors maintain productivity, secure income. And in fact, what we have found is it's the policies that allow that kind of understanding, uh, a confidential disclosure mechanism. Uh, that actually is what, what we hear uh, women find more supportive. And in fact, the actual uptake of the day may be quite limited, but it's the fact that they can disclose what's going on and maybe get, as Nora has alluded to, flexible working arrangements yeah, or yeah. financial payment arrangements. I think this is an opportunity that's being totally missed here by this body. Okay. Mary, just maybe on a final point on this, um, and one of the things that crossed my mind today when, when I was just thinking about this and reading about it, like if somebody comes in to their employer and we'll say whether it's now or, or when, and maybe we'll get more clarity when the legislation is in place and comes in and says, you know, look, I need to avail of um, the domestic violence uh, leave. I need some assistance. Does the, does the employer have a role? Is there any onus on the employer then to do so, you know, to... I don't know, to, to do something or is it, you know, or is just GDPR, is there a barrier there with GDPR or what? Like, is there any onus on the employer? Um, well, I'm sure you have people who are more expert on this, but certainly the employer wouldn't be responsible for addressing the abuse issue. But the employer may, from a compassionate perspective, be encouraging the person to get support and to go to the agencies that provide that support so that the issue can be addressed in a more um, long-term way rather than letting it continue. Okay, so but I don't think you could apply that responsibility. No, onto no and I suppose, Sarah, it's more just to say that there, there's, you know, maybe that businesses might have a policy and here are, you know, kind of support mechanisms that are in place. Women's Aid actually have an active project lead who's working with a number of employers and we've worked with some in the past. Uh, we also are aware of many of the, many of the unions 
uh, have worked with. There's banks, there's other public institutions who already have this in place. And it is not about trying to make the employer into something they ought not be. It is simply about having a clear policy, which goes for anybody, man, man, woman, other person who may be subjected to abuse in any kind of relationship, uh, intimate relationship, and giving them also information. Um, So that is really, you know, it's about giving information, but it is not the employer's role to make a protective disclosure or to make somebody go to the guards. That would be actually completely inappropriate and disempowering for for the staff member. Yeah, and I suppose, Nora, that was the point that you mentioned at the very outset as well. You know, a a lot of the putting the policy in place is to, you know, empower people to say there is there is help there and there's support there for people if they want to come forward. I think what Sarah and Mary are saying is that the statement itself to say that there is statutory leave available is so much bigger than just those five days. You know, it allows over my lifetime, I've been an employer more often than an employee. And because of me speaking out about this and talking about it, of course, I've supported women and some men through difficulties in terms of their domestic situation. And that sometimes is providing a private room so they can make a call to Safe Island of Women's Aid and talk to them. Sometimes it's about being flexible, about getting that call at 8 o'clock in the morning to say, I've had a dreadful night, I won't be in for a few hours. Just the understanding of an employer who knows that you're going through some very difficult times who can support you. I mean, I personally don't know any employer that wouldn't want to do that, especially now when you need to keep people and retain them. I just want to mention as well the the 24 hour the National Free Phone Helpline the Women's Aid uh, Free Phone Helpline it's 1800 341 900 is the number for anybody who wants to contact them today uh, Nora Casey Sarah Benson and uh, also as well to Mary Connacht and thank you all for your time here on Lunchtime Live Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan brought to you by Avant Money weekdays at midday on News Talk.